if you're physically able, if you'd stand in honor of the man of God, the office of God, no stranger to this pulpit, to this church, would you welcome Brother Scott Shelton. Don't you love the Lord? Brother um, Johnson, would you go get your wife and bring her right down here? Oh, it's good. stood up here a few minutes ago I saw you sitting back there and the Lord said tell her I've heard all of it I've watched every tear roll down her face and in her heart I have seen and heard a hunger for the things of the kingdom my timing is perfect but because they've never said no to me I'm not going to say no to them He said, you tell them. The ministry ahead of them won't look much like the one behind them. And I've had to totally disengage them to transform them. I feel like the gate agent in an airport. And I feel like somehow it's my job tonight to tell people. Maybe nobody else I'll say it to privately or individually. Maybe it'll be a collective thing from your own. But to you two, I feel like I need to tell you. Start getting ready. It has not been doldrums. There has not been no wind. But it's been still and quiet. God's been preparing some things and getting some stuff set in order. And this is not one of those things about hyperbole where we just want to try to pump people up and make them feel better. God isolated you. God has done everything that's happened to bring you to this point where you're standing right there tonight. Both of you still have a a lot of years left in ministry ahead of you, but it won't look like what you've done before. God's going to change it all. And he's changing the stage. He's changing everything. And he's going to insert you into your next appointment at the right time. Your heart's going to be satisfied and fulfilled. And it'll carry you to the rapture. I want you all to lift your hands. If you brethren would... Come gather around them. Somebody lay hands on them. Some of the rest of you. Brother Spriggs, come on up here.
you've not said no to him, he won't say no to you.
I'm going to tell you what, the Lord knows right where we are at all times. And he knows right what we need at all times. Brother Kimball, is your wife in here somewhere? You and her come down here. Brethren, if you would come back down to the front. I have no idea what's going to happen next Sunday night. And I don't have any real idea what he's going to talk about. When I was a machinist, I ran a um, 56-tool Morisiki 5-axis machine. It would do some amazing stuff. But from time to time, when we'd switch jobs... Uh, we'd finish the run we were on and we'd switch to a different kind of a part. We built stuff for all kind of things. We had to retool the machine uh, and it would hold up to 56 tools, whatever the job required. Sometimes we had to use all slots, sometimes five or six. But it feels like God is retooling some stuff tonight. feels like he's sharpening, he is replenishing he is restoring, renewing, and retooling. I don't know what is coming um, again Sunday night. I don't know what he's going to say. But I do know that things are changing. The world has changed around us. And I know this sounds copycat to what I said to the Johnsons, but you've been faithful. You've been faithful. And he said, if you'll seek the kingdom first, I'll add stuff to you. And I don't think that that's just natural things in life. I think some of that's ministry. And um, I don't know what's next in your ministry. The Lord didn't show me that, didn't tell me that. But I do know there's going to be something fresh and new. I think there's going to be a harvest that you've been looking for, wanting Maybe been frustrated that you hadn't had it at the level you thought you should have or would have. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with 
your motive, your purity, your ministry. It's been a timing issue probably. And it's going to change. So whatever you're doing in the ministry, enlarge your borders. Think beyond what you've been doing. Think in terms of triple, double, quadrupled. Whatever you've been dealing with, think of it exponentially greater than what it is so far. Brother Wright was talking about this morning the difference between looking through a mirror or looking through a window. I remember there was a case that was tried in a court in El Dorado. A man had been hit by a train. The short story is he was suing for 14 million. His wife sued for 6 million. He was crushed by a locomotive. And he needed medical care for the rest of his life. He'd probably have 100 surgeries, they said, before he died. The jury awarded him a total of six million between the two of them and no lifetime of medical coverage. I sat in a restaurant in El Dorado and listened to the lawyers from both sides. And the lawyers for the train, the railroad, said to the man's lawyers, if this trial had been held anywhere but here, you'd have got all you sued for and more. But the people that we selected for the jury can't think in terms of $14 million. These are people, they said it. We selected people who don't even know how to spell $14 million. And in their mind, $6 million was plenty. They said, had this case been held in Little Rock, you'd have got all of it. Think beyond where you are. Don't pray for what you're doing. Pray for what you want to do. Start prophesying over what you want to be involved with in ministry. Start prophesying about the number beyond what you're currently looking at. Don't preach or teach or minister to the people in front of you anymore. Do it to those that are on the way to where you are. Does that make any sense to you guys? Brethren, lay hands on them. Brother you, would you lay hands on both their heads right now? The rest of you, gather around them if you would. Some ladies come and get around Sister Kimbrell.
Yeah. Hold on one, just one minute. I had him judge it. I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to get emotional. I wanted children so bad. I stayed mad at God half the time. I mean mad. And there was something to it that began to block the flow of the Spirit. It shut me down. And the worse I wanted them, the further they got from me. I was standing in the driveway at my mom and dad's house one night. We were down there visiting them. And... It was about 10 o'clock at night, and I was on the phone with Brother Shatwell. The subject of children came up, and for the first time on that subject, I reached the place that he had been trying to get me to where I said something a minute for the very first time. And it was that nevertheless moment. The Lord spends tons of time trying to get all of us to a point where we finally say and mean, nevertheless. And I said to him on the phone, I said, you know what? He was asking me about, you know, do I still want kids, whatever. I said, yeah, more than anything I could even. And then it hit me. I said, no, there's something I don't want them more than. If children are going to prevent me from being able to do the will of God in my life, I don't want them and I'm giving them back to him right now. I fell down in the driveway at my mom and dad started crying because I knew there was a chance that he might say, they'll hinder you. You can't have them. Because one time here in Arnold, we got real close. You were part of that. I was so angry at God for that. And about two months later, we got to call about Eliana. And now it's to the point that every time the phone rings, I'm afraid to answer it. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking that Malachi might very well be Omega, but my wife's praying that maybe he's not. 
my point is this. Let it go. And when you open your hand to let that go, while it's open, see what he'll put back in it. When you let it go, leave your hand open long enough for him to put something back in it. Whether it's going to be a child or children or peace. And there's a depth that God wants to take you to that will come to you at that point. I know we pray. I know we do. And I, and I know y'all have prayed the will of God. I know you have. But it's not what we say. It's what we feel in our heart. And it's what our heart's saying that our mouth is not saying. God, I give them to you. And our heart's saying, please be quiet. Please be quiet. We want children. We want children. You're a great mom. You're a great dad. My God, you had half the county's kids at your house, 14 of them over at your house the other night. They all love Uncle Ben, Aunt Steph. Trust God with it. But give them back now. Don't ask for another child. Don't pray one more time. God, please give me children. Give me additional children. Give Alicia a brother or a sister. Don't ask. Thank him for his perfect will and receive it. And while that hand's open, leave it open long enough for him to put something back in it. All right. Now you know what I know. Church, would you be in prayer? Come on, somebody.
Would you just stay in prayer for a few more minutes? God knows what he's doing. Let's just continue to pray and cover ministry with prayer. Come on, Antioch. There's probably some others of us in here that need to have a nevertheless moment tonight. Come on. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Brother and Sister Middleton, we'll pray for you next. Brother Middleton, you and your wife. Brethren, if you would come again, some ladies come and be with Sister Middleton, pray with her. Now, I don't know your business. I read the email the other night. You were going in for some test or something. And I don't know what you've been through medically. To its entirety. But it hasn't been just you. And you too. We two are one. John G. Lake was in Africa during an Ebola outbreak and he was handling the bloody saliva of people that were passing away as that Ebola virus took their life. And when doctors from around the world finally got there and saw him there, they said, Dr. Lake, how long have you been out here with these Ebola patients? He said, oh, several weeks. Where's your protective gear, clothing? He said, I don't have any. Well, how have you survived? Have you been in contact with these people? He said, well, yeah. 
been praying with them, working with them, doctoring them. Well, how have you survived? He said, I'll show you. He sent one of his assistants over to get, he gave him a glass slide to go under a microscope. Somebody had just passed away. He said, go over there and get some of that bloody saliva and smear it on that glass slide and bring it back. He put it under the microscope, focused it in, and you could see that Ebola virus just going crazy. All these doctors came and looked at it and verified that it was still alive. He took that slide then and wiped it in the palm of his other hand, put his hand under the microscope, zeroed it in, and focused it all in for him, and they looked, and as that virus touched his flesh, it died. And they said, you're going to have to explain this. He said, oh, it's easy. For by the law of the spirit of life, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For by the law of the spirit of life in Christ, I am made free from the law of sin and death. Now, I'm not saying that you've been fearful. But I'm telling you it's lurked close. And tonight, every time I've looked at you too, that phrase keeps coming back to me. I am made free from the law of sin and death. Now here's what I'm going to tell you. Dr. Lake told them, he said, as long as faith flows out of me, sickness can't come in and do anything to me. For yea, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I may get close to it, the writer said. I may, he may lead me right down through that valley and the shadow of death is within. I can see it. Well, I feel it. I will fear no evil. Why? For I am made free from the law of sin and death. <laughs> Lay hands on them, Brother Johnson.
William Branham prophesied his own death. And he died on the day he said he would, at the age he said he would. But years before that happened, Brother Barnes one night had a vision and a dream. And the Lord spoke to him in what he called night visions. And he said, Branham is going to be in Shreveport. I want you to go over there and tell him what you've seen in this dream. And tell him to stop speaking his own death or it's going to come to pass. And I am not willing, I do not want him to leave at that point in his life. That's not the will of God. Brother Barnes said, well, there'll be so many people there. There's no way I can get to him. He said, if you'll have him call me out where I can get to him, I'll tell him. So halfway through the meeting that night, Branham stopped and pointed. And Brother Barnes sat in the little white Stetson on. He said, you and the white Stetson, you had a dream two nights ago. And the Lord sent you over here to tell me what it was. Brother Barnes told him. After the service, they took him back and let him speak. And, and he told Brother Branham, what he felt and what the Lord had shown him. And Branham smiled, shook his hand, thanked him, but never stopped what he was saying. And he died exactly like he said he was going to. Death and life in that order are in the power, not the power of death and life, Death and life are produced by the power that's in the tongue. Speak life and you'll live. If you walk in the shadow of death, don't worry about it. But you have to make sure to choose which identity you're going to have from this point forward. Now, I remember... Bishop saying some stuff during this week called war about promises. And I'm looking at you and I'm remembering some stuff that's been said prophetically right here on this platform. About what you will one day be in the structure of Antioch corporately. I've heard mother and bishop speak prophetically about your ministry in time to come. And the things I've heard prophesied about you hadn't come to pass yet. Speak life to that word. Choose that identity. Because God meant what he said all those years ago. There's a word in my head that was used in regards to you. Do you know what I'm thinking? Do you remember what they've said? Just You can just nod. Choose to be that. There are people sitting in the kingdom today because of the anointing of God on your life. It ripped them out of the clutches of sin, hell, and death. Now speak that same authority over your own situation. Make a decision standing right here in this building. What your future is going to look like. Have you decided? Lift your hands and hers too. Begin to speak it one more time. You speak it over your own life, your own ministry. I wish somebody in this building would stand up and stretch your hand this way right now. 
Sister Middleton, choose and speak it. Speak it. Remind him, Brother Middleton, of what he told you. Come on, somebody. Yeah, that's it, Sister Middleton. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Brother Middleton, both hands. Get them up. Yeah, come on. You're going to be a man of faith, not fear. You're going to be a man of faith, not fear. You're going to be a woman of faith, not fear. Yeah. Now, would the church give a round of thanks to God for what he's done? Let your faith be felt. Faith, not fear. Faith, not fear. Faith, not fear. Faith, not fear. In Jesus' name. Is your wife here, Brother Horton? Where is she at? Somebody go get Brother Horton's wife, Sister Horton, that would be. Come on down here, Brother. While we're waiting on Sister Orton, I want you to see what happened here. This, this sounds so simple, it's almost ridiculous to the mind. Brother Shelton said to Brother Middleton, if you believe you're ready, raise your hands. What did he do? He raised one hand. It wasn't happening. Why? Because one hand up, one hand down was just this middle ground he's been living in. But when he raised that second hand, anybody feel what went through here? It wasn't about the hand. It was about the decision. It was about the obedience. To the natural mind, that sounds ridiculous. But if, if it didn't matter to God, the Lord would have said, raise a hand. Now, here's the problem some of us have. We just kind of, we hear what's said and just kind of 
respond to it how we feel to respond to it. That's not faith. Praise God. I mean, that was, that was awesome what, what, right through here. Why? Because the Lord was bearing witness with us and with him that he had obeyed. If y'all would come here. No, y'all stay right there. Now, I came back there and talked to you a while ago. For several weeks, I told him, for several weeks, he keeps coming up in my spirit, just in my mind. And when I got here this time, he's lost so much weight, I didn't recognize him. I told him, I said, I think I have jaw bones and cheekbones too, but I hadn't seen them in so long. But I'm pretty sure they're still in there. you're not happy neither one of you have joy at all and I know you said I'm coming out of this but I'm going to tell you what I really feel I feel like you're afraid that it's temporary and whatever it is that sucked you dry and pulled you off course as you said it's going to do it again and again and again and when I look at you I see two things I see tremendous potential and anointing and no doubt the hand of God all over you. And at the same time, I see a darkness, anger, almost rage over things that you've had to deal with and go through that you had no control over. I don't even know what they are. But you are like a kettle on the stove that's just one more tick of the knob away from boiling over all the time. Not necessarily at people or a person. Just, do you know what I'm talking about? Am I right or wrong? Say it. Do you want to be rid of that once and for all? It's a generational spirit. And it is going to be broken if you really want it broke and believe it'll be broke, y'all pray. This ain't your business right now. Y'all pray a minute.
Come on, church, keep praying. Come on, somebody. God's going to do a miracle. Brethren, come on. Come on, God's going to do a miracle. Come on, Antioch, push. God's doing a miracle right here. I'm telling you, God's doing a miracle. Yeah, come on, God's doing it. Come on, Antioch. Brother Boyer, bring those two grandbabies up here. Sister Boyer, come with him. Antioch, you need to still be praying. Come on.
Yeah, in Jesus' name. The authority of God was so great in this place tonight. These weren't the only generational spirits people were set free of. Some of you were set free from generational spirits. You need to claim that right now. You need to give thanks to God right now for that.
Would you just give God thanks for what he's doing? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. We've got a minute. Brother Carlos, would you get your wife? Brother Sister Williams. Amazing. Here you still are. Here you still are. Hey, Antioch, here she still is. Sister Williams, here you still are. Brother Williams, here you still are. Look at her. Got to be a reason. And I know I hear, I hear some pitiful person saying yeah but you just don't know where all she goes through to be here well here you still are I thought about that morning I came over and what was the name of that area you were in in D.C. for a while Trinidad I tell people about that all the time that one morning I come over there they were washing blood off the sidewalk Brother Williams said, look, when you get here, run across the street. <laughs> My God, where in the world am I going? And then was up in that second floor of that building had two windows in the end of it. He said, don't stand in front of those two windows. They'll use you for target practice. <laughs> oh, sweet God, help me now. What did I, where did the bishop send me? That was really what I thought. I don't know where, what, or how, when. But I, I looked over at you worshiping tonight. And I looked at you. You had your hands up. You were worshiping, both of them. Just worshiping God. And the Lord said, I, I'm not done with them. And I'm proving something with them. I don't know where you're at in your physical situation. 
I don't, you may have been completely healed by now for all I know. Have you? There are going to be people that are going to stand before God. And they're going to say, Lord, I just, I would have done more if I had felt better. God's going to call you to stand before them as an indictment. Now, I know God can heal anything. I've seen God raise the dead three times. I don't believe in that, brother. I hear somebody saying that. I don't know about that. I didn't either until I saw it the first time. And I'm pretty fired up about it now. I'd like to see it every week. I've been praying about that. It's hard to find candidates for that type of miracle, though. <laughs> Anybody get a cold, get prayed for, but ain't nobody want to be raised up. Because you got to go down first. <laughs> People be like, pray my strength in the Lord. I don't want that to be my miracle. <laughs> but there's going to be some people that are going to have to explain to God a whole lot. He can heal you right this second. If he wants to, he can do it. But it's just amazing to me that here you still are. I know some days you may not feel good at all, but here you still are. And I know that God has another appointment for the two of you, and it'll probably reveal itself soon. And whether you feel like doing it or not, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, oh, nevertheless. God trusts you. Oh, God, he trusts you. Both of you. Because, Brother Williams, it had been real easy for you to get bitter at God by now to have to watch your wife go through what she's gone through physically and just say, you know what, I'm done. And I'm not, I'm not saying there hadn't been some days where maybe both of you were pretty hacked off at God about why it hadn't changed yet. But here you still are. I keep, that just keeps coming up in my mind. Here you still are. Some things he takes us around. Some things he delivers us from. Some things he delivers us through. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, he has decided for now to deliver you through this. But I do feel a new appointment coming. I don't know what it will be. But when it comes, you'll be ready for it. But I do feel like God's going to do something in your body tonight. Some strength. Some rest. I believe he's going to do that for you. Brother Williams, are you alright with that? If the Lord will do that for her. And he's going to breathe a fresh breath into your spirit too. Because it hadn't just been her. It's been you too. Valleys touch us all. And when we are one flesh, we both go through it. Now you've probably never thought this, but in the event that it may come to you at some point.
don't ever apologize to him and your children for what you're dealing with physically and feel like maybe you've failed or not been the mom or the wife you could have been if you hadn't had to deal with all this stuff. Don't ever let the enemy tell you he'd be better off without you. I'm sure he never has. But if he does, don't. It's the making of a ministry. The shaping. The forming of an anointing that God has a purpose for. And so he's about ready to reapply you somewhere. Put you back in to active duty somewhere. Doing something. I don't know what it'll be. But it's coming. Are y'all okay with that? Brethren, if you would, one more time, or once again, I don't want to say one more, once again, if you brethren would come. need some ladies to come gather around her. Only if you have faith. If you believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Sister Zenobia, fresh anointing's coming. Antioch, would you stretch your hands and your faith this way?
Now, they'll know who I'm talking about, but everybody in here that's a millennial, would you stand up? For those of you that don't know what that is, you're not one. (laughs) I don't want all the millennials to come right down here in the front. And since you're young, you can stand up a few minutes. One of the telltale indicators of millennials is they're tech-savvy. Now they, well, you're a millennial. You're highly tech-savvy. They're not really good on finding out where the, I sit down front in the middle here, and they're all a little lopsided over here on this end, but we'll. Some of you that can only see out the right side of your head, do we got room over here on this end? My God, they're still coming. How many of y'all are there? Help us, Jesus. Huh? Look, I've already Googled this word. There is no specific start and end date to it. It's characteristics that define the millennials. I'm a little step ahead of you there, youth pastor. I may not be one, but I've, I've tried to figure out what y'all are. Uh, there is no um, uh, they don't put an age really on them. Millennials are oh millennials are the ones who are tired of being lied to. Millennials are the ones who are sick of fraudulent nonsense. Millennials are done with uh, people acting like they don't have enough sense to come in out of the rain. (laughs) However, sometimes we wonder. But I was in here the other night when um, we were all, Bishop had everybody paired up praying. And I looked over here on this side of this building. And I was shocked as to how many millennials were over here. And what was equally, if not more shocking, was the depth of anointing and passion and intensity that was coming out of you while you prayed. You were by far the loudest, most vibracious bunch in this room. And this kept coming to me over and over and over and over. When they are turned loose, they're going to wreck this city. I'm waiting on y'all to believe it. I don't want everybody else to believe it.
Now, how many are standing down there? Get up here and count them, Brother McGurk, if you would, real quick. Give me a quick head count from, from right here over. Junior, get up here and give me a head count from right here to the left. Sister White Skirt, you start right there and go that way. Count everybody from there over. <laughs> and you count everybody. Him. Dear God, y'all can count that fast? Right here. <laughs> 42? 36. What's that? 78? Now, we, we do math in Arkansas, too. <laughs> 70, what did I say? What? 80. There it is. 80. Now, I'm only talking to you that are standing down here. How many? How old is that baby? You're the only one over there got one. I'm talking to you. <laughs> Two months? Oh, what's her name? Has she seen you shout yet? All right, you're working on it. All right. 80 millennials, and there's probably some that are not here. How many of you standing up believe that before June of next year, there'll be 160 of you? Now, wait a minute. I don't want to know if you think there can be. Whoa, ho, 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 ho. Pump the brakes on it. How many of you believe and are going to see to it that the next time we head count in about six months, there'll be 180 of you standing down here? Come on, you really believe it. 180. You prayed through one tonight. Now the bishop's here, so if I get out of line, he'll... Pull it all back together. But how many of you are done being disappointed? Be brave. Hold your hand up. You're done with being disappointed. You know God can do so much more. And you're done not seeing it happen. How many of you have seen the dead raised? How many of you would like to? How many of you had your hand on somebody's head when their sight was returned to them? One, two. How many of you intend to? Then for the love of God, just go do it. 
Just go do it. Just go do it. I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to walk in here every time you come together and have church and look around and see how many lost millennials are here. And if there aren't any, go find some. Right then. Is that all right? Get up and walk out of this building and go find some. We'll be here when you get back. Yeah, but what if we get in trouble? You won't. Do you honestly think pastor doesn't want this place filled up with people that are hungry for God? If you look around and there are no lost millennials in this building, go find one. Everybody say that will say I will. All opposed by the same sign. The motion carries. That's what we're going to do. And don't just wait for church. Start to get together and, and just turn this city upside. The scripture says in one place that when, uh, was it Paul that left the city? The elders breathed a sigh of relief because he had turned it upside down everywhere he went. God will do all kind of stuff. And he's trying to. The scripture makes it clear the Lord will work. Who will let him? One of the things that we have failed in, in my opinion, in the church, we wait until you hit 40 before we acknowledge you have a gifting and a ministry. We don't have that much time. I don't know when Jesus is coming. I really don't. But it seems to me, Bishop, that scripturally, when you look at it, when Jesus was making an entry, significant entries into a place, somebody went ahead of him. And there was, there was a parade. There was a street designated for him to walk down. They were laying their cloaks in front of him. John the Baptist, in the very beginning, heralded his coming. Hollywood is producing more, and Disney has come out this I saw something just in the last few days about a new movie Disney's coming out with that in my mind, I'm thinking for the love of God, there's no way they actually are going to do this, but they've done it. And I was thinking about it today. Why is it? I mean, there's more, there's more stuff on television to watch now about witchcraft and sorcery and demons and vampires and all that nonsense. What is it the enemy knows that we don't? Do you think that in the last days he is not going to step up his efforts to distract us from what we're supposed to be doing and to try to appease the lost with some pseudo feeling that satisfies need for supernatural ministry? And when you look at all of the nonsense that's being produced in Hollywood and all of the entertainment and the games and everything else that are spiritual in nature, but they don't lead you to the kingdom. You've got to start realizing that the enemy knows the time of God is short. I don't know. 
no man knows the day nor the hour the scripture says, but I can tell you this, I do believe that just like the pattern seems to indicate, there are men that are going to begin to herald his coming. I know Bishop did some teaching here not long ago about the return of the king and the rapture. When people begin to talk about it, and the enemy is stepping up his efforts, at the same time, something's going on. He is coming. And the majority of the people in this room are going to be alive to see it when it happens. It's not a fictitious story. It's not something that Tim LaHaye wrote about only. It's in scripture. It's coming. He is going to return. My point for saying that is, young men will dream dreams. God intends to use this generation right here in a greater way than we even have, in my, my own opinion, the ability to imagine what God wants to do. There are five-fold ministry represented all across the front of this building, all through here, woven anointings just everywhere, gifting everywhere, the gifts of the Spirit everywhere, angels all over the place waiting to go with you to do whatever it is God's called you to go do. The other night when I looked over and saw all of that going on, the Lord said, I'm going, I'm going to turn this city upside down with the millennials. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to get a response out of you. I'm just telling you what he said. He's ready to use you now. Not in five years, not in ten years, not in a year. Now. Make your mind up what it is you want. Millennials love truth. Millennials don't like being lied to. Millennials don't like fake. They don't like facades. They just want the truth. Tell them the truth. They may not like it, but they want it. They want the truth. Your generation has come up in one of the most wicked times in recent history. And they are hungry and desperately looking for something to fix the broken world that they've inherited. Politics is not going to be the answer. It don't matter who we put in the White House. <clears throat> the condition of our country and the world is going to continue to get worse and worse. The moral decay and the moral fabric of our nation is just going to deteriorate. If, if Scripture is true, and it is, and if all of that's happening now, as I assume it is, then right here, Standing up, 80 millennials is the hope of now, not the hope of tomorrow. And all of us sitting down that are not millennials believe in you. When that young lady received the Holy Ghost a while ago, there were two young men back there praying with her. You've got school ministries going on in high school, prayer groups, whatever that is, something seven, huh? P7. You've got campus ministries. You've got all kinds of stuff going on. Quit holding back. I was listening to that song earlier, Withholding Nothing. Mean that. Leave it all on the table. Pray for them wherever you can find them. Lay hands on them in the street. Lay hands on, my God, if you're going to... Well, we can't do that at school. Yes, you can. 
Pray them through wherever you can find them. Go downtown, start walking the streets looking for somebody to pray for. Looking for somebody who's messed up with sin, somebody that needs God. Lay your hands on them right there in the street and change things. 180. That's not much. 180. It's not much. Fill this building up. I dare you. I I believe you're going to. I'm not going to say I dare you. I believe you're going to. I watch your hunger. Every time I'm here, I am shocked and amazed. Because a lot of times you think, well, young people, it's just going to fizzle out. They're not going to. You haven't. You haven't faded away. You just, every time I'm here, there's, there's, and I, I don't, probably half of the people down here, maybe it's just you've grown up and I don't recognize you anymore because you've lost weight or gained weight. I don't know what it would be, but. <laughs> but there are people standing in this group here that I don't know. And it amazes me every time I come back here. There's new faces, but the same passion, same anointing. Same intensity. So I'm challenging you. Don't settle. Don't hold anything back. Don't withhold anything. Don't sit waiting on something to happen in a church service. Don't sit hoping they finally sing something or somebody says something that's going to make you feel something. There has to come a point where we are fed up. It's that little blind fellow, that syndrome. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The scripture in one recording says, and Jesus would have passed him by. Jesus will ignore you. But the little blind fellow asked them boys that was with him, where's he at? And they're trying to shush him. You need to hush down, son. You're embarrassing us. You're drawing attention. Come on, stop it. You're you're making us uncomfortable. Isn't it amazing that it was Rhoda, a little damsel girl, at the all-night prayer meeting where they're trying to pray Peter out of lockup. He down at the joint fixing to get his head lopped off the next morning. And the, the grown folks is down there praying, trying to get the brother out of jail. He gets out of jail, and the only place he couldn't get into was a prayer meeting. God could get him out of jail, but couldn't get him in a prayer meeting. They wouldn't let the brother in. Rhoda says, hey, to the elders, hey, Peter's at the gate. Oh, honey, it's just his spirit. It's his angel. Really, you're not going to let that in either? I promise you, you show up in that form at my prayer meeting, you come on in. But it was a child, a young woman who saw that. And I'm telling you, God's going to show you things in the spirit. And you're going to have to make your mind up. It don't matter how uncomfortable you feel. Or how uncomfortable you make somebody around you feel. If God's in it, you obey it and you do it and let God prove it. Change this city. 180. Let's just make it 200. Why stop at 180? Let's go to 200. You believe there will be 200 of you down here in six months? 200. That's not a lot. Do any of you people believe 200 millennials will be here in six months? I do. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it.
That's not too much, is it? Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it either. You hear me? I'm not your pastor, but I'm telling you, don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Little old David shows up down at the little battlefield in the ditch, wondering at his older brothers, what are y'all doing down in the ditch? And they're like, son, do you not see the size of that thing out there on the battlefield? Yeah, but he's he's speaking against our God. Yeah, I know, but uh, do you see the size of him? Yeah, but he's talking about Jehovah. Yeah, but do you see how big he... Yeah, but you, he's talking about the one from whom all blessings flow. Yeah, I know, but do you see how big... Yes, I... Look, just give me a sword and... Matter of fact, keep your sword, give me my little slingshot, and I'll go out there and deal with it for you. Over and over and over through Scripture, God used people that nobody really thought had the education for it yet, had the maturity for it yet, didn't know what you're talking about. Son, I've been doing this for 40 years. You ain't, you ain't grown up enough to know nothing. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I think some of us are so saved... And sanctified. That God's looking for a bunch of millennials. They'll say, you know what? We haven't figured out how to do it right yet. We're just going to go do it. I remember in that high school. I remember in that high school one night. And do you have arthritis, Chester? Your knees are fine. Your hips work. Your ankles work. What? Well, apparently you can't do it at all. We've been singing all day around here and I ain't seen you dance yet. Don't you let that fire go out. Hold on. I remember a night over in that school auditorium. A bunch of young men arm in arm across the front of that sanctuary. Some of them had gold chains hanging down and they didn't know nothing about come here from Sikkim about Jesus, nothing. But you were dancing and worshiping and they linked arms with you. You were down there. And I was was standing on the platform at that school and I watched as y'all began to dance. And in a little while, some of them in that line that didn't have the Holy Ghost began to receive the Holy Ghost. Don't change that. Don't be quiet. You may not run yet. Don't be quiet. Don't you let anything or anybody silence you. You hear me? I don't care. I don't care. To thine own self, be true. Be true to the anointing and the call of God on your life. Be true to what God's asked of you. Be true to what God believes in you for. Don't figure out how to do all this. Just do that. Reach them. Pray them through. Deliver them from whatever bondage they've got. Sin that's got them wrapped up and messed up. Change their life with the anointing that's in you. And if they come here before they've been prayed through, if they come here before the miracle hits, don't let them be disappointed when they get here. I don't care if somebody is in the middle of taking up an offering or making announcements. 
If God speaks to you, obey him. Be not conformed to this world. Bishop's been talking a lot about the power of religious tradition. Don't be conformed to that world. You hear me? Don't. God's depending on you. And for such a time as now, I think, God's ready to see you do what you've been called to do. We don't have until you're 40 or 50 years old to wait. Do it now. If you're going to do it, raise your hands. Open your spirit to him. Bishop, would you come pray over them? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I loose the spirit of the Lord's passion for the lost. I loose the spirit of utterance. The spirit of boldness. The spirit of faith. The spirit of the love of God. The spirit of faith in God. The gifts of the spirit. The word of God. To minister through these lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hold on just a minute. Hold on just a minute. In 1980, at the beginning of the year that we prayed through 551 people that year, it was about 125 of us. And I'd say that probably 80 of that 125 looked just like this group. Is that right? Is that right? Well, why don't uh, Mark and you guys come pray? Chris, Matt, Kathy, Richard, I know you're struggling, but I want the people that were here in 1980, some of whom were your age then, the grosses, I want you to come up here and just touch these kids. I want you to just touch these kids. Because you think you're not important. And this is the size group. It was about 80 of you. Out of 125 people. That saw 551 people get the Holy Ghost that year. 
and a large portion. I'm sorry, Daryl. Thank you for coming up. If there's anybody else that was here. If you were here in 1980, come, come help me. Just, just move through the group. Just touch these kids. This was Antioch in 1980. There's only about 40 people that were older than you. This is the, this is the group that supplied the energy, the effort, the passion that brought all those people to church that prayed through. Of that 80, there was only about 10, 15 that were even married. Of that 80, there was only about 10 or 15 that were even married, which is about the number that's here married tonight out of this group. The rest were teenagers and 20-year-olds who wanted to be a part of revival. Believe they could do it. And they did it. In the name of Jesus, come on. Come on. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Come on, put that spirit of Antioch on them, folks. Come on, you that were here in 80. Put that spirit of Antioch on them. In the name of Jesus. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Woo! My. My. You guys pray for Come on. Pray for him. Pray for him. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Come on. The hand of God is on this group of people. Come on. God can work a miracle, and I can reach a millennial. But it's a lot easier for you to reach a millennial than me. They're far more likely to listen to you than me. Come on. Now, those of you that want to come join and pray with these kids, you come help us. God wants to use these young people. God wants to use them. He wants to use them mightily. Let them feel your faith in them. Let them feel your faith in them. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. My. My. 
My. Come on up and lay hands on them. There's plenty of kids here that nobody's got a hand on them. Don't just stand there. Find somebody put your hand on them. Come on, Wendell. Bring your... Come on up. Come pray for these kids. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on. God's doing something tonight. He's ready. It's time. He wants to use you. There's nothing in the world like being used to God. There's nothing in this world like being used to God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Come on. Holy Ghost is doing something here tonight. If God could use a five-year-old Samuel, a 12-year-old Jesus. If a 12-year-old Jesus could talk doctrine with the, with the priests. If a 17-year-old David can defeat a Goliath. There isn't any God, anything God can't use these, these young people and young adults to do. Come on. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe you, Jesus. I believe you love these young people. I believe you want to use these young people now. I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God's not going to use you someday. He's going to use you today. We're not believing for someday. We're believing for today. We're believing God for now. Not in the future sometime. Now. God wants to use you now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. I'm not trying to quench the spirit, but I want everybody to listen to me. I want everybody to listen to me. I've got two things to tell you from the Holy Ghost, and I'm saying it from the Holy Ghost. 
hear me. If there's anybody standing up here, especially the singles with singles and the marriage with marriage, if there's anybody standing up here that you've never shaken their hand because they sit in a different part of the building that you do, forget having revival. If you're only associating with the people like you, there's no Holy Ghost in that at all. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. And let me tell you something else. I'm not saying this is going on, but I'm going to tell you it's not going to go on. If you want to be a part of God, you don't sit around with a couple of people and make fun of anybody else here that's a little different than you are. You will bring a halt to any flow of God you've got whatsoever. If you sit around and, and, and laugh and talk about somebody that's just a little different than you. You don't have any way to prove that the grace of God is working in your life at all without you loving somebody that's not like you. And if you're hanging out with the cool kids... I cursed the cool kid group and commanded to be disbanded and there and it be one group, not the cool kid group. And oh, 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 wait, I'm not done yet. And I cursed the other group, the non-cool kids. That's another group here. Well, they don't like us. This is not high school. This is the church of the living God. We're not putting up with that. God's ready to do something amazing here, okay? But it's not going to happen if there's people here you're not comfortable associating with. I don't mean you got to go hang out with them all the time, but you got to treat everybody kindly. And you don't bypass each other without speaking. And if somebody sits in a different area of the building you do, and you say, well, I, I'm just shaking hands with those that sit near me. <laughs> what an absolute lame excuse that is. We're either one body or we're not. Because that leads to what I'm about to say. You want to see a harvest? You don't tell God who he can use to reach you. you use you to reach. Wherever he opens a door. I don't care how different they are than you. You walk through the door because you're a conduit. You don't just witness to people like you. Well, you know, I'm trying to be saved and I don't want to hang out with those that aren't as spiritual as me. Maybe they're not as spiritual as you because spiritual people won't hang out with them. Isn't it about time we got spiritual enough that somebody else isn't affected how what what our commitments are? Hear me. 
in 49 years of the ministry. Well, I actually started before then because why am I standing here? Because I was praying people through at 12 and knew a whole lot less about God. Even though I'd been raised in the church, it was Pentecostal. It wasn't anything like this. The average young person standing here, teenager or otherwise, knows ten times. Ten. Whoa, okay. Ten times. Not me, I moved. <laughs> praise God. Well, praise God. So I'm going to finish what I was rudely interrupted saying. The average young person that's had the Holy Ghost two or three years here knows so much more about God than I did at that time. And I was praying kids through the Holy Ghost at 12. I won seven midshipmen. They got the Holy Ghost, got baptized right down the street here. And I had no church to take them to. There was no pastor to help me. I didn't say that to you so you'd think I was something. I'm simply saying to you, I couldn't even imagine having all the advantage you've got of some place to take people that they can experience other people. I was it. I was the only Pentecostal they knew. God wants to do something. But you hear me right now. Those two things are the only thing that can stop this, and that's not the devil. The only two things that can stop this is not the devil. It's us and our flesh by not being kind and friendly to everybody here. That doesn't mean everybody goes to Applebee's after church together, poor Applebee's. Okay, It just means that you're kind to everybody. You speak to one another. And you pray for one another. When it's time to pray, don't just pray for the kids you always pray with. Why? Because if the prophet's prophecy comes to pass tonight, it's going to be 120 new kids. That means every one of you is going to have to pray for it. 1.5, 1.5, hey, that's mathematics there. 1.5 new kids each. That's number one. Number two, you do not tell God, well, I, 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 there's no use me talking to that person. They're not interested. That's not your call. Well, they, they really wouldn't fit with us. That's not your call. Don't look at somebody before the blood 
and tell God what that person can and cannot do and what that person can and cannot be. Don't look at any individual before the blood and before the Holy Ghost and write them off, mark them off. Because God is able and he wants to do that with you. He wants to do that. Praise God. Let's thank him one more time. Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's really thank the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe. Anybody else believe? I believe. Amen. Amen. Well, isn't the Lord good? God bless you. Everybody that's up here, come and shake somebody's hand over here. And everybody that's over here, come and shake somebody's hand. Be friendly. Show yourself friendly. God bless you. Dismissed in the fear of the Lord.